Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are here to engage you. We're here to hear from you. We're here to bring our life into conformity with your will and your desire for us. And so we pray that our hearts would be open this morning, that we would hear uh, from your Holy Spirit the word interpreted into our life so we know what to do with it. May we be on another path of transformation as we interact with your word today, we pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. We talked last week about what it's like uh, to um, to understand what the church is all about. I, you know, we, people drive by our building, by the thousands every day. They drive by, and, and what do they know of what goes on in here? It's shrouded behind... Uh, buildings and whether it's stained glass or is there re are there relics in there or what what is it these these spiritual kind of things and um, I would say probably largely we're not making a big dent in in notoriety within the community people see where we are they may not know a lot about us and what's going on in our life. Uh, but it, it's, it's interesting because we, as we looked at last week, the early church really made a stir. And it went from zero to 90, and in 30 years went from a handful of believers uh, to over 100,000 believers spread out around the whole world. And um, it, we said it was, it was fascinating to see what happened in the church at Thessalonica, that, that church was started, and, um, and they didn't particularly like this Christian group there. And so they tried to find Paul and Barnabas, and they wanted to haul them up before the magistrate, and they couldn't, they couldn't find them. But, but here's, what they, here's what they said. These guys have caused trouble wherever they've gone. They've turned the world upside down, and now they've come to us. And, you know, I was thinking... What if, what, if, what if we had that notoriety, that people knew who we were, that we weren't just this building with a name on it that people drove by every day, but, but our lives really counted for something, and, and we became the talk of the town. Uh, and, and that's the kind of thing. Um, there's, there's no press, and uh, sometimes no press is better than bad press. And then there's, there's bad press. I had a, I had a brother-in-law who was on a, a church board in, in a church in a small town. And they were having trouble in the church. Oh, they were having trouble. He would call me up and, and say, you know, like, we've got this going on. Do you have any words of wisdom? Or can you, can you help us think about uh, how we can deal with this? And it, it, because it's a small town, everybody knew everybody's business. And in fact, they had some things to vote on, and the church was just polarized um, around two different groups. And uh, people were getting ex-old members out who hadn't been out to the church for years to get them in to vote the way they wanted. It was, it was terrible. And, and 
and that's bad press. That, that was happening in, in that town, and people knew all about the woes. Um, and then there's, there's good press. And I think in our church, I think of the work that's done by our uh, Hampers of Hope and uh, our Master's Pantry and what, how they see us helping and, and making a difference in our life. But they really, we're, the whole thing about this was, is our church really making a dent? Are, are we known for something positive? Do people say, yeah, they're turning this community upside down? Well, Jesus uh, had a mission for our church, um, for his church. And uh, as we get into to the word of God and into the book of Acts, we said that Acts is uh, it's part of a two-volume set, Luke and Acts. And they're both uh, uh, joined together. In the first part in the, in the gospel, we see what it's like for the ministry of Jesus. And when we get into Acts, we're going to see what, what is happening selectively in the church over the next 30 years. But they'd met with Jesus. Uh, Jesus, had, we saw last week, had been caught up to heaven. And uh, they, they watched him go, and they stood there dumbfounded. And uh, two angels appear and say, what are you guys standing, staring up? For? The same Jesus who went is going to come back in the same way. Now you've got a job to do. Go and do it. And, and uh, so here we, here we have um, the day of Pentecost. So now Jesus died. He was resurrected the third day. And, uh, and then he has a 40-day ministry where he's teaching uh, and, and helping his uh, followers to know what, what's next and, and all the information they're going to need. And then he says, it's time for me to go. And you, this is a good thing if I go, because if I go, I'll send the Holy Spirit. And so he gathers with them on the Mount of Olives, and then he begins to ascend up into the clouds. And, and as I said, they stood there dumbfounded, and they were reminded that they had something to do. And uh, they were told, now after this 40 days, now stay in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. In Acts 1, it says, you will receive uh, power, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And, and so here is the day, and they spent 10 days in prayer, 10 days with, with each other, tarrying and waiting, and then it happens. They had 120 people in that upper room, and, and something incredible happens. Uh, the day of Pentecost. And, and uh, that incredible day, uh, Pentecost was one of three mandatory feasts that observant Jews would come to Jerusalem for these three things. One was Passover, and, and the second one, Penta 50, is 50 days after Pentecost. That was the celebration that they were there for. That's why, and, and Julia, thank you for reading all of those difficult names. Didn't she do a fantastic job? <laughs> they, they think, you know, what did I do to deserve this, right? Uh, she did a great job reading all those names. And basically, Jews from all around the Roman Empire came and were part of, 
of uh, this, this gathering for this festival, for this feast. And uh, there, there are 15 different nationalities. They're all Jews, but they come from different places, different languages, and, and all the rest of that. And uh, this is a, a harvest festival. This is when they would uh, thank God for the first fruits of the harvest that, that would have come in at that time. And, and so here's what happens. They're all together, and then something just incredible happens. It's, it sounds like a, a, a hurricane, gale force wind. You know, the kind that you, you have to scream at somebody if you want to be heard. It makes so much noise. Although things aren't blowing around. It's, it's the sound. There was a sight and sound uh, uh, deal going on here. And they looked and, and uh, here, here they see, they not only hear that, but they see these like, it looks like little flames coming down and they, they kind of break off and they begin to light on the head of those people who were there. And, and that moved them to get out of this upper room and go out into the streets. And, and what happened, they were, they were beginning to speak in languages of the people who were there for the feast. People who, they, they'd never learned those languages, they didn't know them. And, and, and here they are, and, and they're speaking fluently. They're speaking with accent. I mean, they, they sound like the people who've been there. And, and, uh, and it's, it's absolutely amazed people because how do these unschooled Galileans be, uh, how, how are they able to do this? And, and so the, the Holy Spirit enabled them to speak. And they spoke and declared the wonders of God. And, and, and there, there, were, there were just these different thoughts, like they were bewildered. How does this happen? What's going on here? Utterly amazed. They're like, they're gobsmacked. Um, they're perplexed. They can't make sense of it. And some of them are mocking. They said, ah, what's with you guys? Are you drunk? And, and, uh, and Peter has to address this. These reflect um, what, what God was beginning to do in this, in, in this amazement and awe of what's happening. And uh, what, we, what we find here is a question. Like, what in heaven's name is going on? These people have gathered these, these incredible Phenomena are, are occurring. And so what we need is we need an explanation. And Peter's going to step forth, and uh, he's going to uh, help us understand. So here we are now uh, with an explanation. Uh, and Peter will tell them that this is nothing less than what was promised through the prophet Joel in Joel chapter 2, that the Holy Spirit would come, that there would be this messianic era that would come, and the Messiah would come, and uh, God would pour out his spirit on all his people. And, and, and that's what happened. I mean, it was abundant. It was God poured out his spirit. They, he was, they were deluged with his spirit. And, and uh, that Old Testament prophecy, uh, that would happen. Here's what would happen. People would, uh, pe the Spirit of God would come on an individual for a certain task for a certain time. 
That's how the prophecy worked. God wanted to tell his people something. He would give a message to, uh, to uh, his prophet, and his prophet would speak that message to the people. Uh, as they say, it was a specific person, a specific message, um, a, spe a specific and limited time, and a specific purpose. And uh, what they would do, the, the Spirit would be enabled, would enable the prophet to speak the Word of God. But something different is happening here. And we read what Peter says is going on. He reads some of the, the, uh, uh, the message that Joel was given and, and is being explained now. So here's, here's what he says. In the last days, God says... I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Now think about it. The prophet who comes is empowered to speak a message, and then the spirit leaves him. Somewhere else. We have just gone through... When Jesus comes, 400 years of prophetic silence. God had not spoken. There was nothing from the time of Malachi uh, till, till when John the Baptist comes. And when John comes, uh, we begin now into this era of the Spirit that Jesus has been preparing us for. There is... Uh, an incursion of the Spirit, an enablement of the Spirit for every believer to be able to speak the Word of God, to, so that every believer would be really a, uh, a prophet, if you will, to speak God's Word. And, um, and so here we are, this is so absolutely revolutionary. I, and, and I want you to think about this. This is important for us because it included everyone. There was no gender distinction. He says, uh, your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. There's no age distinction. Um, your young men are going to see vision. Your old men will dream dreams. And there's no class distinction. Uh, the, the servants, the people without status in the world are equally uh, part of this group. It's so revolutionary. It, it's so important. And, and here's the thing. Jesus, and this is important for us, Jesus did not rely on his own innate power as God, but he relied on the Holy Spirit. Everything Jesus did, he relied on the Spirit. Now, Jesus is our model. Jesus is going to show us how it's to be done. And, and here's what happens. Jesus relied on the Spirit, not on himself. So as human beings... Um, we're called to do the same thing that Jesus did when Jesus didn't use his power independently for himself. He lived as a human being and, 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 and uh, trusted only in the work of the Spirit with him. And, and so when you look at, and again, it's, it's a two-volume set. When you look again and see it in, in uh, Luke, we find in Luke chapter 1, that Jesus was conceived by virtue of the Holy Spirit. When, when Jesus goes and is baptized by John and the Spirit descends on him and he begins his ministry, it was the Spirit that came at that time.
Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, we, we read. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness uh, to be tested. Uh, he came back uh, having beat Satan at his game. Um, he returns in the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, Jesus ministers everything he does in the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and he gives us a, uh, a scripture that prophesies about what he's doing. And in, in Isaiah uh, chapter 61, in the first three verses, here's what he says. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release for the, uh, the darkness for the, for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and, and the day of vengeance of our Lord. Uh, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise uh, instead of a spirit of despair. And they will be called the oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. The, the, the prophet Isaiah prophesied that when he comes, that the Spirit is going to come upon him for these things that he was going to do. His whole ministry was done in the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and here's, where, here's a verse that makes it so absolutely plain and clear for us, and that is in uh, Acts chapter 10. Listen to what he says. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Do you get what he's saying here? God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. He did what he did because God was with him. He doesn't use his own power uh, that is innately his. And we, we read this over and over in, in Luke 5, 17, the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. It was the power of the Lord. It was the spirit on him that allowed him to do what he wanted. Moses would look forward to a time on, in this day. Moses, who was this great Old Testament prophet, um, says this in Numbers eleven twenty nine. He says, Moses stated his desire. I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. That was his passion. That was his cry to God. And you know what? God did it. God did it. He gave the Holy Spirit to everyone who's a believer. That was fulfilled at, at uh, Pentecost. And Jesus is a model for us in terms of humanity. You say, I don't know whether I can overcome temptation. You can by the power of the Spirit. Jesus did. You say, well, I, I don't know that I can share my faith. You can do it by the power of the Spirit. God is with you. We have the same Spirit that Jesus had that Jesus relied on to do all of the ministry that he did. And Jesus tells uh, his followers, now wait, wait, for empowerment for on, on high, he told them that the Holy Spirit would come on them and would provide what they need to be his witnesses. So think of it. Here's Jesus' ministry restricted to a person of one. He took upon himself humanity. And so here he is, where he is, if he's, if he's here, if he's in Galilee, there's where the ministry's going on. And, and it's relegated to specifically where he is, 
where he is, the ministry happens. But he says to them, I've got to go back. For your sake, I have to go back. Because if I go back, I'll send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will be with you and in you permanently. And he would give us the empowerment that we need. Now, what's interesting, the, there's so much in the, uh, in the uh, New Testament about what the, what the Spirit does. He does so much for us in, in living out our life. And if you read the Apostle Paul and what he talks about the Spirit, he talks mostly about the interior life, how Christ is formed in us, how we are uh, evidence the fruit of the Spirit, how God guides us and directs us and all of that. Paul speaks mostly in that way. But now Luke when Luke is speaking about the Spirit, he almost exclusively talks about the empowerment for us, for the mission that God has given to us. And uh, it's so important for us. So Peter's explanation is that uh, the death and the resurrection of Jesus and the ascension, all of that stuff was, was uh, part of God's plan. We see the terrible things that Jesus underwent, but that was just because he could, um, he could uh, fill us and use us in ways that he would. Now listen to what it says in Acts 2.22, because as he talks about this, um, he, he lets us know. Um, he says, people of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, signs, listen, which God did. I thought Jesus did it. Yeah, but, but he's working in the power of the Spirit, so which God did among you through it. And, and he says th uh, through him, and as you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. This was all part of God's plan. You, you, you were bent out of shape. You saw Jesus dying. You thought, oh, this is terrible. This is the end. No, it was part of a plan that God had that Je Jesus faithfully lived. And so he's, by his set purpose and foreknowledge, you, here he's talking to the Jews, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him death to death by nailing him on the cross, and God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep his hold on him. This was all God's plan. And so he, he speaks to his fellow countrymen. They've, they've come into droves, thousands upon thousands of them have come to Jerusalem for this feast. And Peter's saying, they're seeing all these phenomena, these, these uh, languages and the, the sound and the fire, and, and they're trying to figure it all out. And Peter says, look it. This is God fulfilling what he said he was going to do through the prophet Joel. And uh, this was God's plan from the very beginning. And uh, God, he couldn't, death couldn't keep its hold, its hold on him. And he affirms the resurrection of Jesus and tells these Jews, Jewish people, you're to blame. You're the one who put your Messiah on the cross. He's, he's bold. This is Peter who said, I, I don't know Jesus. I, I, don't, uh, I don't know who you're talking about. He denied his Lord. Now he's standing up in Jerusalem and telling them, look at you put to death our Messiah. And uh, uh, he was really forward about this. And uh, they came under the deepest conviction. They, they, all of a sudden now, 
they have some understanding. They're culpable in this. They took him, they took his, uh, their Messiah and had him put to death. Um, and, and so they, they are sorrowing and, and they're saying, well, what do we do? What do we, we've killed our Messiah. What, what now? What, what can we do? And, and he gave them the answers. Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and for your children and for all who are afar off, whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, uh, save yourselves, yourselves from this uh, corruption. Here, here he is speaking to them, and he says, look, you did it, you're to blame. And they said, well, what do we do? He said two things. He said, you need to repent. Uh, that uh, Repentance is, is to change your mind, to change your difference, your, your, your direction, to change what you do and how you live. Turn away from the, those things. Turn away from the attitudes that you have, for the beliefs that you have, what you thought about Jesus. Turn away from those and receive the truth about it. And then be baptized or declare your faith publicly through baptism. And, uh, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What was the gift of the Holy Spirit? It was exactly what Jesus promised him would happen. And, and something incredible happens, something that never happened in Jesus' ministry. 3,000 people put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Messiah, and they were baptized. It was incredible. And, and as I said, um, what Jesus did, what, what, what was done with these apostles, Jesus didn't even accomplish that. He said they would do greater things than, he, than, uh, than Jesus uh, would. And, and so here they are uh, sharing a news, and, and there is a landslide of people who are saying, I need that. I'll follow Jesus. And this was, these were genuine believers. And, and, and it's incredible as they come to that point. And the Holy Spirit empowered them. Now, he says, I have to go because if I don't go, I can't send the Spirit. And when I go, I'll send the Spirit. And you'll be happy that I've gone because wherever you are, I will be with you by virtue of the Spirit. I'll be with you. I'll, I'll um, empower you. I'll guide you and direct you in the mission. And, and, uh, and, and so here we have now the start of the church. It begins with a bang. And we read a couple chapters more, and, and it's growing. It's up to 5,000 people like that. And, and, and it's what God is doing through the Spirit as we turn our hearts to Him, as we take seriously what He's asking for us to do. Now, every one of us, here who's a believer has the Holy Spirit living in you, dwelling in you, guiding you, helping you to understand what this means to you and what you need to do about it in your life. And, and we, we, were so, uh, we were so nervous when Jesus said, look, here's my plan. I go back 
you guys share the good news. And that's how, that's how the mission's gonna go. And, and we're going like, really, Lord? Really? You know Peter, what Peter's like? Who am I to call out Peter? I, you know, I'm, I'm a Peter myself. I failed the Lord at times. And, and he says this, he says, you, you have all I need. When you have the Spirit, you can do the work. That I, see, see, God never gives us something to do that he doesn't give us the enablement to do it. And he did that with the... Uh, with the Holy Spirit. And, and I like how Paul puts it in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 20. He's, he's talking about what believers are to do. He says, this is all from God who reconciled us to himself through, Jesus, through Christ. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What is reconciliation? It's putting a relationship back together that's been broken. And, and what Paul says is God has given to every person who's a believer, he's given to them um, the responsibility to reconcile people to God, to get things right between them and God, because God can't accept them. They, they've failed God, they've rebelled against God, they've scorned God, they, they've, they've wanted nothing to do with God, they wanted to do their own thing. And so he says, God has given us this ministry of reconciliation that uh, we would help people come to God and be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ and what he's done. He, he says that was, that here, here it is, the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. He, 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 what he did was he took the punishment for their sins on them. It was, it was that message of reconciliation that they needed to hear, and he committed us the reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He's opening his arms to you. Go out and give the message. You're my ambassadors. You're my representatives. And I've provided everything you need in the Holy Spirit so that you can go out and, and tell that message and people's lives can be changed. And we can see a church that's turning the world upside down. And we need to understand that we all share this mission of Jesus. You say, well, I don't really want to. Well, that's not an option. That's the, that's the, recon that's the, the uh, responsibility we've given it, uh, to him. We need to understand that the empowerment from this comes through the Holy Spirit, and we need to reach out with God's love and with his message and trust God for the future of that. Jesus was a one-at-a-time person. But when he went back, he ex his, his followers exploded. And they were all given a responsibility. And when we look back under the, uh, into, the Old Test uh, in, into what would happen in the book of Acts, we see how wonderfully God worked. And that means that God has given this task to us who are just ordinary people, not particularly skilled or, or super spiritual or anything, but all of us have been given that responsibility and we've been given the spirit to see it happen. 
and we can't do it alone, but he's given us everything we need. I want to tell you about Raj. Uh, Raj. Raj is a man whose family all became Christians, but not him. And he was, uh, he was uh, uh, resistant. He had lots of questions, lots of reasons why things might not be right. And he was an honest seeker for years and years and years. He saw the family. They would, Sundays they would all go off to church and they would worship and come back and they would tell him. But he never really believed it. It was bogus to him and he struggled. He didn't want to, he didn't want to believe something that wasn't uh, accurate and that he didn't feel was true or right. And so he struggled with this all along. He was intrigued, though, with a Christian apologist who, was, who had PhDs in, in uh, uh, theology and philosophy. And their family happened to be in the Toronto airport. And they saw this apologist waiting for a plane. And they say, that's him, that's him. Uh, let's, go, let's go and say hello to him because Raj listened to this guy all the time. And they thought, well, isn't this so cool that we would actually run into him in the airport? And, uh, and they said, hey, you know, this is our dad. He, uh, he loves to uh, listen to you. Um, would we ever have an opportunity to talk to you? And, and the apologist said to them, uh, yeah, I'll tell you what. Um, I'm going to be back in Toronto in, in about another month or so. Uh, give me your information. I will contact you, and I'll meet with him. And so he was staying in a hotel, and the family went over and had an hour. And he had an hour just to ask questions, and, and he went away. And months passed, and he didn't trust Christ, even with the hotshot the big guy, the guy who has all the knowledge, the guy who could, could uh, you know, help you see so beautifully and, and, and so eloquently, nothing happened. But he did have something. And it was a, uh, it was a 12-year-old granddaughter. And this 12-year-old granddaughter uh, would speak to him often. Oh, Grandpa, she would say, and she'd begin to weep. She said, Grandpa, I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave and, and not have you with me after we die. And somehow God touched this man's heart through this granddaughter. She would pray for him all the time. She'd talk to him. And he finally came to a point where, where he said, I want Tasha to come and pray for me. And the little girl came in and the family came and here's a 12-year-old pouring out her heart in prayer for her grandpa that he would come to know Jesus. And his heart was gloriously opened. And he passed away several months ago and I was at his funeral. And I thought, isn't that God? It's not the... the highly educated. It was just a granddaughter. It was a little girl who doesn't understand a lot, like let Jesus into your heart or whatever, whatever a child would say. But God empowered that speech. And he put his trust in Christ. Shortly, shortly before he died, 
And the family was able to, to gather with some wonderful solace to know where he was, that it was genuine. But maybe you're like that little girl. You say, oh, you know, it's, uh, I, I can't do that. I'm, I'm not good to speak. And, God, and God, Jesus says, look, it, I've given all of you the spirit of the living God. Now go out and share the good news with me. Oh, well, I'm afraid. I know you're afraid, but I'm with you. And, and when, when you read through the Acts of the Apostles, you come to recognize that God does things that we have no control over. And every one of us who would be here and who would be believing in Jesus are, are here because God opened our hearts. He opened our minds and, and, and he brought us to himself. And the crazy thing is, he wants to use us. His plan is to use us. And, and you may be a little girl, you may be a, a, an older person, all of us multiplying the, the ministry of Jesus can turn our world upside down. And so I want you to know you have been empowered. You say, I don't feel like it. That, that's, that doesn't matter. You have been empowered with the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that empowered Jesus to do everything that he did in his life here on earth. And he left us that responsibility. And my prayer is that we would get on that and, and that we would live for him and that we would um, avail ourselves to his purpose and that like this little girl, Tasha, we also would see God work marvelously in our lives. Let's pray. Father, your design for your church is so glorious and wonderful. And Lord, you do this in such a way that only you can take credit for it because none of us could do what you do in a person's life and in their heart. I, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to see and understand what our responsibility is, that you would strengthen us knowing um, just how much you, you are able to do through us and that we would put our trust in you and be obedient. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.